You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. You know, as a network, the whole Locked On Network basically had a, a whole Locker Room session earlier on Wednesday afternoon because it's been quite a busy day around the league. Lots of news, firings. No hirings just yet, but uh, some front office shakeups and things of that sort. It's been quite a hectic day. So we had about, I want to say like 20 or so hosts just jump on locker room and talk about all the news and notes from around the league. Miami, quiet, out of it. It's been fantastic, isn't it? Kind of nice to see that Miami really isn't a part of that, as you would expect. A recurring theme throughout the week, throughout maybe since the playoffs ended a couple weeks ago for Miami, it just feels like, the stability of that front office continues to become a, a just a huge factor in keeping Miami out of the news. I love it. It's so easy. I mean, look, maybe it's fun to talk about controversy every once in a while. I think as a society, and certainly as a NBA basketball-loving culture, you tend to kind of dig around news. You get newsbreakers from all over, whether it's a, a local beat reporter or a media member or, of course, national guys like Shams or Woj. Always breaking news like that. Mark Stein also included in that group. And it's just interesting to to see these kind of bits of information trickle down there. If you haven't been, look, and most of you listening to this podcast probably don't even realize half of what's going on around the league. It's just constant influx of information is what it feels like. So much that I'll talk about in a later segment, but even throughout the day, just little, little trinkets of news breaking through. Kind of interesting. And everybody's going, what? What the hell happened? It's a regular Wednesday afternoon. It's not even noon, and already two coaches have been fired, a number of players out because of injury. Oh, and oh, yeah, LaMelo Ball wins Rookie of the Year. So that kind of thrown in there. Unfortunately, he's not getting the flowers he probably feels he deserves, but that's a conversation that they can have up in Charlotte. I don't really care. There's no rookie. Well, Precious Achua didn't get any kind of Rookie of the Year uh, consideration. At least I think most of you listening to the show probably pretty aware that that wasn't going to happen. But uh, yeah, there is some news and notes around the heat. Oh, you know what? Before I get into that, I just, you know, again... I've been making it all about me all week because you know how I love to get all that information. You know, I love to get all this attention. I love making it all about me. The ego on this host, you guys listening to me, I cannot believe you listen to such an egomaniacal host like me. But um, my son is fine. He went through surgery like a true and proper badass at two and a half years old. We are so proud of him and how we handle it. Um, it was. Not the best experience for us, and certainly not for him, but within an hour, hour and a half following surgery, I won't go so far as to say it wasn't like it never happened, but he is bounced back remarkably well. He's doing great uh, today after a full day of recovery. It is like it never really happened, and yes, there are slight signs of surgery because he did have eye surgery, but other than that, his behavior has been great. His mood has been fantastic. And all of you who reached out via Twitter, via direct message, via email, again, I cannot say enough how grateful I am. And I, I do know that, 
you know, I am a human being, <laughs> you know, surprise there. But uh, I also, you know, I cannot help but let some parts of my personal life occasionally leak into this professional endeavor of mine of letting you know what's going on with the Miami Heat. But uh, I did want to share what was happening because it impacted my ability to record a daily show for all of you. But now he's recovered. He's fine. And hopefully... We won't have any kind of further impacts in the future, but thank you so much for all of your support. I really do appreciate it. Again, I hope none of you think that I am actually making this all about me or, or showing too much of my personal life in, in this kind of you know type of venue or format. But for those of you that uh, were supportive, and there were many, many, many of you, I am always going to be very, very grateful for that. And so will Jake once I tell him about it at some point in the future. There were some things going on yesterday, uh, Tuesday night, aside from just Jake's recovery, and that was the selection of all NBA team members for your Miami Heat. Some significant impacts. Jimmy Butler makes the third team all NBA. A little bit of a surprise. I saw a lot of brushback on Twitter. You know, even from media members, I, I can't. Look, I've been doing this now, what, seven years at least? It feels like longer maybe because of the Orlando bubble kind of stretching the season out for as long as it did. But it feels like I've been doing this a long time. And I should know by now that no matter what happens, no matter whose name gets called, there's always going to be a strong dissenting voice going, oh, I can't believe that this other person wasn't chosen. That Jimmy Butler would be chosen over Russell Westbrook and others should be a goddamn no-brainer. I cannot believe that people would rush to the defense of Russell Westbrook. And look, I talked about this in a recent episode. I am maybe not necessarily a Westbrook fan, but I can understand why he is as uh, much of a, a crowd fan favorite as he is. Constant energy, constant motor, 30% shooting from the field, whatever. You know, you kind of overlook that when you see how hard Russ gives 100 and whatever, 10%, you know, as cliche as it might sound. That's the vibe that Russ gives off. He only has that one speed, right, constantly in motion. Yeah, but he's going nowhere. That's a whole conversation, right? But as far as Jimmy's selection over Russ, of course he's going to get selected. He's a goddamn excellent defender. He's a fantastic player. And, yes, his performance in the playoffs sucked. So did the rest of Miami's performances. But Jimmy, during the regular season, and it is a regular season award, was as good as any player. That Jim VP consideration that he was getting, maybe a lot of that was overblown talk from Miami fans and things of that sort. It was warranted. There was a, a stretch there when he came back and he was single-handedly carrying the Miami team, putting up monster numbers, doing everything. And of course, let's not overlook his defensive acumen. And I think that's a big part of the problem. All of these award selections are complete horseshit. There is... What are you considering here? What are you What are you basically talking about? Is, is it his overall impact? Is it the team record? Is he just a great scorer? Is he a great defender? You know, it's so hard to separate these things. And even for a award that would be specifically focused on the defensive side of things like deep, you know, defensive player of the year, it, often it comes down to a good defender on a good defensive team. Well, it's like, how do you separate that he's the best defender on that team? I remember last year, did it happen this year too? Yeah, I'm sorry. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons both getting Defensive Player of the Year candidacy. You know, last year it was Giannis and Brooke Lopez. It's like, well, maybe Giannis is a pretty good defender, but maybe Brooke cleans up a lot of his messes. 
and for those people voting, and I am not one of them, to watch 72 games or 82 games of another season, you know, you're covering a specific team, you can't watch 82 games of Milwaukee basketball. I don't know which one of those two is a better defender. I can make a strong case that Giannis is a pretty good defender or that Brooke Lopez was a good defender. Similarly in Philadelphia this year. What about in Miami this year? I mean, is it is it Jimmy? Is it Bam? Who of the two are the better defender? I mean, that's an interesting question. The point is neither of them got Defensive Player of the Year consideration, even though I think both of them are really, really good defenders. But as far as the All-NBA selection, now how do you not consider Jimmy over guys like Westbrook and others? How do you not consider Bam over guys like Jimmy and others? And again, there were other deserving choices there, and, and I think that's the issue here. So Jimmy gets his third-team selection. Bam does not. And that holds a significant impact for him. For Jimmy, it's you know his fourth All-NBA team. I'm sure he's not immune to what it means. He does like being recognized as one of the 15 best players in the league, and I think that's clear when you are selected specifically as one of the 15th best players of the league. There were guys like Donovan Mitchell that probably deserved consideration. Jason Tatum deserved consideration. For a guy like Julius Randle, who, is, who made the second team, a lot of it had to do with being the best player on a team that unexpectedly make the playoffs, and he put up some pretty big numbers along the way. Probably pretty deserving of that, too. Kyrie Irving, Paul George, Bradley Beal, they kind of round out that third team with Jimmy alongside Rudy Gobert. So, look, it's hard to argue this selection. Look, maybe you can make a case against LeBron James because he missed a lot of the season due to injury. Does that mean that he shouldn't be selected to that team? Like, to me... It's still LeBron freaking James, right? And I'll talk about him because he's in the news for all the wrong reasons as well later on in the show. But LeBron is arguing, I mean, he's he's the best player of all time or one of the best players of all time. And he's certainly going to be, he hasn't had a bad season yet. And I don't think he will anytime soon. So it's hard to take that away from him, even if he did miss a bunch of games. Joel, Joel Embiid missed a bunch of games too, and he was still a very good selection and a, a deserving one. But as far as Bam is concerned, the impact for him is all about the money. Uh, his base salary next year would have been $33.7 million if he had made an All-NBA team. Instead, I can't say it's just, but it is now only $28.1 million, a difference of about $5.6 million. But, and I got clarification from this, according to Spotrack's Keith Smith, who's been a, a friend of the show, a friend of mine, and a frequent guest here, he actually specified that not only did it cost him $5.6 million next year, and the extension that he signed last offseason kicks in in 2021, this summer, through next season, 21-22, but it actually would cost him $32.6 million over the full five-year run of that contract. $32.6 million, not making an all-NBA team this year. It was all or nothing. You make it this first year when the when you sign the extension or you lose out. And instead of making what would have been $195.6 million, he now collects, again, just, quote, just $163 million. Like, that's a pretty good chunk of change. Maybe a lot of you are rolling. He doesn't even deserve that much. But $195 million over 163 I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't lose $32.6 million last year. Or yesterday. <laughs> Not just last year, but yesterday. Imagine waking up today and finding out you didn't get that selection, that you lost $32.6 million. Not a good day for BAM. And, and look, it's hard to make the case for BAM. You know, his lackluster performance at the playoffs aside, I just wonder whether or not, and I made the case on Twitter yesterday, you know, if you're watching BAM play 
if you're if you watch Bam play regularly, you know what his impact is. Mostly as a two-way player, he's a solid score, a developing, growing score. Certainly a fantastic playmaker, the hub of the offense, focal point on defense, a great overall player. But he's not leading the league in blocks. He's not leading the league in assists. He's not shooting well enough so you can go, oh wow, that dude really can score. So he's just he's doing so many little things that it just doesn't wind up totaling anything that gives national media members, the people who are voting on these awards, give them enough reason to pause and go, well, Bam deserves to be on here over, again, Randall or Tatum or anybody else. And so when you look at what Bam was able to accomplish, I mean, it was a fantastic season for him. I know a lot of you are disappointed in his playoff performance. That doesn't take away from the fact that he was still damn good over the regular season for the most part. Maybe not as aggressive as many of you would have liked, but still very, very solid. And he just lost $32.6 million because he doesn't score, what, two points per game more over the course of a season? That's probably what it comes down to. If he's a 20-point-per-game score, then you could argue that based on his defensive performances, based on how good he is as a playmaker, he maybe he gets more consideration as an all-NBA selection. Tough one. Now, the question for me, and maybe it's one I should save for later on, but I'll, I'll go ahead and touch on it now. I wonder if I wonder if it's a, it will be a source of friction between Bam and Jimmy. I, I Look, no, this isn't actual any kind of insider information or anything like that. I, I honestly believe that the two are very friendly and supportive of one another. But I could see a scenario where it sticks in Bam's crawl a little bit, where he says, you know, I, you know, this guy missed so much of the season. I was the one carrying the team. Well, he missed three weeks due to COVID. You know, I was the one who was a steady influence. I was the guy who played more games than he did. I, I was doing all these things. And, yeah, maybe the performances didn't change things. Maybe maybe he wasn't good enough as an individual player to carry the team to victory, even when he had those two phenomenal performances uh, against the Brooklyn Nets in back-to-back games. But I could see him being a little, well, you know, upset about Jimmy's selection. I could see him saying, you know, he cost me $32. million. You know, maybe you sit out a couple more games and maybe I don't have to, maybe you don't get that selection. Maybe I get it over you. I, look, I, again, all speculation here. I can't actually believe that there's any friction there between the two, but I'm only just po- positing a, a potential outcome here. And we've seen this before. That's the whole thing here is that it's not out of the realm of possibility. Players, friends, coworkers will have friction with one another because of accolades being heaped on somebody else. I mean, we saw Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell get along famously until they didn't. And then over the the course of the next couple of months, following the hiatus in mid-March, when both of those players tested positive for COVID-19, mostly because of Rudy Gobert, a lot of the feeling was, well, maybe these players get, you know, maybe there's there's headed for a breakup here in Utah. And then, of course, they wind up having the best season uh, of their careers, uh, be, being you know all NBA selections, at least in Gobert's case, not in Donovan, but barely missing out that cut. Although he too loses thirty two point six million dollars, so <laughs> I could see him being an extra little extra little incentives to be pissed off at Rudy. But uh, anyway, look, teammates have friction all the time. There's always tension. There's always well, why did this dude get it over me? I can understand why there would be some potential cause for friction. Let's hope that's not the case. But let's also monitor that in the future because this could be one of those first steps towards getting to that point where you could see you know teammates that were formerly friends start to have certain issues here. Overall, the lesson is don't tie your contracts to subjective award selections. 
imagine you know working at a store and being you know manager of the month or employee of the month or something like that right and then all of a sudden you don't get it because you know debbie over in accounting is getting is, is quitting you know after 50 years in her office or something and then she gets selected to this position and then you miss out on it and then you miss out on 32.6 million dollars obviously that's not going to happen for most of you but can you imagine if if your award let's say a 5000 realistic amount a $5000 bonus was tied to you being able to win employee of the month just once over the next 5 months after you sign a, a, a new contract for the following season or following year excuse me <laughs> And look, the the, uh, the the fiscal year just began, right? Uh, or is, is set to begin in July. So you had to make employee of the month in June or by by the end of June in order to, to collect that $5,000 bonus and you don't get it because they award it to somebody else whose contract wasn't necessarily tied to getting a bonus and then you miss out on $5,000. Hell, I'd, I'd, I'd be pissed off. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd take that cake for her retirement party, but I sure as hell wouldn't like it. And I probably wouldn't give her a gift on her way out. I will thank her very coldly, and then I will move on after Debbie stole $5,000 out of my wallet. But anyway, moving on, I'll talk a little bit more about what's going on around the league, what it says about Miami, of course, and give you some more news and notes from around the league and the Miami Heat specifically. But first, just a reminder that this episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Locker Room, the first social audio platform made for sports fans. It's a free app that you can download, and once you're in, it's so casual. You just talk with fans, athletes, insiders, reporters like me in real time about your favorite team or sport. Look, it's a perfect place to just start or join conversations about the league that you love. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and, of course, reacting to big news like there were today or rumors from around the league. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL. So go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile and you link your Twitter, and then you join the NBA group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms around there. Like I said earlier, Locked On hosts were out there in throngs to give you all the latest news and, and takes on what's going on from around the league. So make sure you go ahead and download the Locker Room app. You won't be disappointed. Start today. Locker Room is changing the way we talk sports. Miami Heat are out of the playoffs, but the road to the finals still continues. And our coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories... We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. Well, we could, unless you're a Phoenix Suns fan or a Clippers fan or a Utah Jazz fan. So many teams that will be missing key players. Already the Brooklyn Nets, obviously, also without Kyrie Irving. James Harden rushed back into a Game 5 performance where it was somewhat subpar, especially for a former MVP player, and they were still somehow able to salvage a Game 5 victory over the Milwaukee Bucks because of Kevin Durant going supernova. But that's the talk of the town around the NBA. Again, before noon, the news was coming in hot. There were players missing out all over. We start to find out that Chris Paul will be missing a number of games, a number of days in total, uh, because he tested positive for COVID-19. And so he'll be out of action when Phoenix plays whomever they do in the Western Conference Finals. He might miss a couple, maybe three games in that series, depending on when that series against the Jazz and Clippers wraps up. And that series is going to be impacted. They've already been missing Mike Conley from the Utah side of things, and now Kawhi Leonard will be missing tonight's Game 5 and who knows when he'll be back because he's listed out as indefinitely 
and the team suspects there may or may not be an ACL injury there, so he might be done for the season. Again, even if that season continues past this series into the Western Conference Finals, their season could be over if they lose the Jazz, obviously, but it's a, a tightly contested series so far. Uh, it's an interesting one without Conley there. He's, he's you know, a, a significant player for the Jazz, another playmaker, a guy who makes things go smoothly for their offense. Uh, their offense looked somewhat discombobulated against the Clippers the other night there, and, and they desperately need a guy like Conley. But not just injuries and not just playoff games being impacted, but also Scott Brooks out as the Washington Wizards coach and Stan Van Gundy potentially agreeing to mutually part ways from the New Orleans Pelicans after just one season. My feeling is that Van Gundy will not be coaching again at, at all. He took a chance there to coach a young and exciting team, but I think he's... One, he missed being in Orlando. He missed being uh, away from his family. Uh, he missed the opportunity to just call games from home. He doesn't have to travel as much, not as difficult. Another year of the grind there. And I think he's also lost the the pulse of today's locker room. Like even for a guy like J.J. Redick, who Van Gundy coached earlier in his career and early in J.J.'s career uh, when he was more amenable to the kind of things that Van Gundy wants to teach, which is constant emphasis on defense and uh, conditioning and stuff like that. And for a season like this with COVID and everything else, impossible to implement those kinds of things on a daily basis. I, I think it's become pretty clear that Van Gundy wasn't able to connect with those players. And uh, I, just, I just can't see any reason why he'd come back to this, knowing that he might just never coach. He wanted the opportunity. I think there's a part of him, like like players, that is driven to want to you know take risks and 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 try new challenges and things of that sort. But it became pretty obvious during the course of the season that he just wasn't cut out for this role anymore. That he could not coach that particular team. I'm not sure if there's another opportunity for him at any other point anywhere else. But it, it's certainly not in New Orleans. So now they'll look to replace him and they have to find a new coach in Washington, somebody who's willing to work and capable of working with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. So once again, how it can't but reflect positively on Miami. And I feel like I am beating the same drum over and over again, but I have to keep making this point. Miami just continues to be a standout organization because of their stability. Could you imagine going through the process last year of, of trying to find a new head coach, and then you hire Van Gundy, you're all in. He's the guy who's going to get you there, a proven track record, a, a, a experienced guy who likes things a certain way, who's trying to mold junk players, and you're all in on, on this chaotic, strange season. You make trades for guys like Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, and you trade away your superstar and Drew Holiday, et cetera, et cetera. You still have Zion, and you're, you're building around him now. And you, you hope that Van Gundy can coach you to that level. And then things fall apart midway through the season. He can't connect with those players. He can't get the most out of them. They missed out on the playoffs. And then you have to start the process all over again. Ah, that's that's horrible. Like that That's just an, an ugly place to be. For all the people who are on that fire spo bandwagon at various points throughout his 12 years in Miami as head coach, I just it's impossible to want to be able to go through this so regularly. To never have to worry about who your coach is. And I'll reiterate also, or I'll add to the conversation as far as Spo joining the Portland Trailblazers as reported by Five Reasons Sports and Ethan Skolnick, uh, and then subsequently not refuted, but let's say the Blazers or media members from the Blazers 
adding to their voices there and saying that uh, that Spolstra will not be joining the Portland staff. I've talked to people, and apparently the front runner is pretty clearly Chauncey Billups. He's the guy that Dame wants. He's the guy that Portland wants. They want a player that connects with today's player. I don't know that maybe Spo was, as Ethan reported, a name on a list or given some consideration. Again, and I had talked about this as early as May of last year. If you have not heard that episode, go back. Go back to early May where I talked about why Spo would consider the challenge. Again, just like I talked about Van Gundy for Spo. He's at a point now where maybe he can't get the most out of this roster. Maybe he's done everything he can with Heat Culture and Jimmy and Bam and everybody else. Maybe he can't get the most out of the players in this roster. Maybe he just wants a different opportunity. For a young parent like Spo with a young wife and young children living in Miami, maybe if you're going to move, this is the time to do it. And he's from Portland. He has ties to the city. He has ties to the organization because of his father. We all know that history there. But just from a, a... What's the word? From a, a nuts and bolts perspective of like your daily life, if you're going to move, the best time to do it would be now for him rather than later on when the kids are in school, when they're attached, when they have friends and family that they don't want to let go of. I know people move all the time and you do it without consideration for those kinds of things. And we see it in the NBA all the time where NBA players get traded. Let me tell you. One of the things that they hate the most about getting traded is not just joining another team that they have to learn and, and get used to and, and find a way to fit in and all this stuff, just as we would with any other job, but their families, their families, you know, their wives and children having to go and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I know that you're my best friend in third grade, but my dad works in Portland now, so I've got to get going. I'll never talk to you again. You know, that's that's not easy. And I know it's childhood and friendships come and go and all that. And you're talking about millions of dollars. But, man, that, that shit ain't easy. We got to have a little empathy for our children. And I, I just, again, to tie it all together to Miami, the fact that we have a coach, that the team has a coach in place there, that as fans you get to know exactly what the decision-making process is and what's coming down the pipeline and how, who, how the, the process shapes up here in South Florida, it's a, it's a benefit. It's much better than the alternative, I'll tell you that much. So, I just, I just see all the things going on around the league, the constant turmoil and changes and everything else like that, and I just can't help but think that as a fan of a team, you have to be appreciative of how Miami does things and how stable they've been, how consistent they've been, that they don't have to go through this shit every damn offseason about, well, is it time for Pat to step down? Is Pat going to blow it? Is you know, is Spo going to move on? Is Are they going to can Spo after a lackluster performance? Like Even as bad as the playoffs were for Miami this year, I don't think many people realistically thought that uh, it was time for Eric Spolster to move on or for the Heat to cut ties with him. So, again, that's just a constant reiteration that Miami is a much more effective and stable organization than most of the teams around the league, if not all of them. And unfortunately for those teams that are impacted by injury and or coaching changes, well, maybe there's next year, but there's a good chance that you're not going to be able to find much success this season. Look, I guess some team has to find a way to uh, move on. Maybe it's Milwaukee. Maybe Milwaukee will be able to get past Brooklyn because they're decimated by injury and they'll be able to knock off the 76ers there who will likely get past the Hawks, I think, anyway. And then as far as what the Western Conference shapes up to be, who knows? Only three teams left out West and all of them impacted by injuries. So that's a, an unfortunate byproduct, but... It kind of ties into what I'll talk about in the next segment because there's a lot of buzz going on around, you know, whether or not this in, this season 
is the one that's fraudulent. This season is the asterisk one, not last year in the Orlando bubble. And I'll talk a little bit about that in the next segment. But first, I want to talk a little bit about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. 18 delicious flavors, nine ones that you can get regularly and others that come out regularly in se- and, uh, according to season. But let me tell you, the, all of them are great. They're all 100% covered in chocolate. I might not be a fan of the chocolate mint one, but I know a lot of you are probably shaking your heads right now because chocolate mint is a flavor that so many people love. And I've heard from lots of people that the chocolate mint bar is a huge favorite for them. So go ahead and order a box. And that's the best thing, too, is you can get a mix box of like all your favorite flavors. You get two of each of the nine flavors. What a convenient way is that of, of just trying new flavors that you've never tried before. And best of all, if you go to builtbar.com right now and use the promo code LOCK15, you'll get 15% off your first order. So use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off, but only when you go to builtbar.com. And when you're done saving money on those built bars, you can go and take a risk, gamble a little bit. Go to the Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Make a little extra money there. Baseball season is in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online, but there's tons of sports action from around the league the WNBA, the NBA playoffs, of course, the NHL, and so much more. So head to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines. This is your chance to get in on the action. Get into the game as teams prep for the runs to the finals. So go to the website or use your mobile device, sign up today, and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online they're your online sportsbook experts and don't forget to use the promo code locked on get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with a locked on today podcast host peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport With the help of our local experts, follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Should this be the Astros season? So much of the conversation about Miami after their early ousting and, of course, the Lakers losing in six games and Denver getting swept and all the different conversations that have been held about the top four teams in the East and West last year. And I think a lot of it starts with Miami because nobody expected them to go on that finals run last year. And... They wound up underachieving this season, or they weren't able to build on the success of last year. Now, I don't, it's hard to quantify exactly how much emphasis should be put on last season and how much blame should be put on their performance this year. I think it's unfortunately somewhere in the middle where they were probably, they probably exceeded even their own capabilities last year, and then they also fell somewhat short of their own capabilities this year. They overperformed and underperformed within the span of two years. Well, a year and a half almost. And I think that's kind of where the conversation starts and, and whether or not this season should be the Astros season, I think it's a valid question because we've seen, like last year was different, right? I mean, through mid-March, the NBA was proceeding as normal. They were not impacted negatively. Things were going on. It was a full 82 game season. And then at the end of it, all of a sudden you have this long break. Society, the world in general, put on hold. You're wondering whether or not the league would get started. There's a lot of concern about death and, and players like Tyler Hero and others contracting COVID during that hiatus. And you wonder whether or not the league is ever going to get restarted again. And then you start to hear the buzz about the, the bubble. I don't think anybody looked at that bubble and said, oh, it's going to be fraudulent at first. I don't know why that conversation started. I don't know when exactly, excuse me. 
but I don't think it began in July. I don't think anybody looked at the, whether or not the season was restarting in July and saying it's going to be fraudulent. I sure as hell didn't say that. I think my my biggest contention was that it felt like it was rushed and that it was clearly a money grab. And as much as I enjoyed covering that season or the continuation of that season in Orlando and watching Miami's magical run, you always recognize the almighty dollar is the deciding factor behind why it was held this way. And then the conversation this year is about, well, what happens next? And, and you start to hear early on that maybe they're going to force the players back a little too, too soon, that the offseason is going to be extremely short, that they're going to compress the season rather than stretching it out or cutting it out to you know just X number of games. Well, the reason why it was 72 is because of the regional sports contracts. Again, the almighty dollar making the decision-making process there. They had to play out those deals, and they had to incorporate 72 games. And why did they do? Why did they start the season as early as they did? So they could get games in by Christmas, because Christmas Day is a big NBA day. Also to begin by Martin Luther King Jr. holiday, because that's a big day for the NBA as well. And so you start to see all the ways that life in general is impacting the NBA season negatively. And now it's kind of come to a head, right? With all the news going around today, not on the coaching front, but on the players, and so many injuries changing the potential outcomes of these games, you wonder whether or not this is the season where the asterisk should actually be played. As much as people want to dismiss what happened in the Orlando bubble, I've made this point several times and I'll continue to make it. That was the best version of the NBA that you're going to get. That was the purest form of basketball that you'll find why no distractions no travel limited injuries why because you had three months off you had time for players to get healthy to recover it was the perfect end to a season it was the best form of an offseason enough time to ramp up enough time to get back into the swing of things the level of play in the Orlando bubble was phenomenal across the board we start to see earlier this season, it was a complete contrast to that. Teams had rushed back through a shortened preseason. There was no flow to it. We're starting the season way too early. First few months of the season, the games sucked. There were like a really, there were a number of really bad games. Remember? Remember how like the first month and a half or so, there were like these god awful blowouts happening on a regular basis, like 40 point blowouts, things that never should happen in the NBA. Of course, it eventually evened out. Why? Because. Well, the season continued the way it did. It does normally, and you start to get into a regular flow, a regular feel for the game. But early on, players were just not ready for the challenges of restarting the season. We all know the dollar drives what happens as far as the league is concerned. It's an unfortunate byproduct. As much as your fandom is passionately tied to those fan to those teams and the players that play in those or in those jerseys and for that organization. The dollar dictates so much of what player plays there and when they'll play there and how what games are played and how games are played. I mean, it's just there's no need to debate that. It's undebatable, unfortunately. But you look at what happened this season, how things have fallen apart, right? As the playoffs are reaching their peak, and you have to wonder whether or not an asterisk or, or the 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 annotation that this season was marked differently. I, I think. I don't know. I, I don't know where I fall when that conversation starts to, to get louder and louder as it does on a Wednesday like today. Because you look at what happened last year, and again, I think a lot of people saw, still wanted to see as as proven teams, 
like the Celtics or others start to fall to the wayside and a team like Miami unexpectedly knocks off a more talented group in uh, in Milwaukee and things of that sort. And, and you start to see maybe the conversation gets louder at that point in time about the asterisk connotation there. And, and I, I think it's undeserving. But you look at this year and you look at the number of injuries. And there's an interesting conversation happening about it now, whether or not injuries always impact that. And remember a conversation I've had recently with Katie Heindel of Dime where we talked about how every season is marked by injury to some degree. Whether or not somebody capitalizes on those injuries, that happens almost every season. Look at look at Brooklyn right now. Brooklyn clearly more talented than even a team as good as Milwaukee. And for them to be able to have their season on the brink because of a bad ankle to Kyrie and a bad hamstring on James Harden. How do Brooklyn, how should Brooklyn fans feel? Shouldn't they feel like, well, that's not fair. You know, that was taken from us. It was robbed from us, but that happens every year. And yes, I think the bigger point here now is whether or not because of the compressed nature of the season, whether or not a, a player's injuries might've happened as a result of, the, the short nature of this season, whether or not it was too much of a grind for them, it was it was too many games on too many and too much uh, too much too short rest, and whether or not that's what's impacting the level of play here. But you also look at Chris Paul testing positive for COVID nineteen, and all of a sudden now the Phoenix Suns with a legitimately good chance, my pick to advance to the Western Conference to the finals, excuse me, and now those chances are, are severely impacted. So it's it's an interesting conversation here, and I just felt like bringing it up on today's show. But I also wanted to end today's show with some more news and notes from uh, the Miami Heat specifically because I think it's worth getting into. Uh, first of all, Jimmy Butler snubbing the Olympics. He will not participate for Team USA in the Tokyo Olympics. I, I thought the Olympics were still, honestly, I thought they were not even going to happen. Like, I still been hearing talk that they're going to get canceled, get scrubbed, and now players are saying, no, I'm going to play, I'm going to play and play. I have no idea why anybody would want to risk that sort of thing. I don't know what's going to happen there. I don't know what the vaccination rates are, like uh, all the countries that participate there. It's going to be such a mess to pull off. And I feel like, again, just as we would keep talking about it, the, the idea that you have to go through with this because you're risking the loss of X amount of dollars, and I know it's a significant amount, just feels really weird. And I have no problem with Jimmy not participating in Team USA. He's already got a gold medal. I love that for Jimmy. It's fine. Take the summer off. You had a rough couple of, you know, 18-month stretch there. He needs the rest. He'll get back into the lab soon. He'll be, well, he's already started working out, and I think he'll continue to progress and grow and do what he needs to do here. You don't want to risk it again. Look at Jason Tatum just getting into form. And yes, I know he's young, but he's already agreed to be part of Team USA. That seems like a head-scratcher to me. Dame Lillard doing the same. Now, look, the unfortunate part of that is that there's always the opportunity for recruitment and things of that sort. So you wonder whether or not if Bam is even considered for Team USA, and I think he is in the pool of players eligible to participate, whether or not he considers being a part of Team USA. I, I don't I don't think that's been publicized just yet. So I, I don't know where he stands there. I think he's eligible to be a participant. I wonder if he'll consider it. It would be a good opportunity for him to get in some players' ears and see whether or not – you know, maybe you can start actively recruiting, but good for Jimmy at his age, uh, not being a guy who is willing to risk it all by participating in the Olympics, as much as I would have liked to see him wear the the, the red, white, and blue representing the Miami Heat. Uh, longtime Heat trainer Ron Culp passing away. Uh, you know, it was reported first by Philly Heat 
uh, you, many of you know him on Twitter. Uh, good for him to, well, unfortunate that he had to report the news in the first place, but then the team acknowledging and being aware of his death a couple days later. Uh, he passed away last year, uh, last week, excuse me. And, uh, you know, he was just, he was a guy that was always well known and well liked around the organization, a big part of what the team did. And for a long time, the team considered among the very best as far as their training staff is concerned. So despite the, the wear and tear that maybe a lot of practice sessions or grueling practice sessions under Pat Riley and later Eric Spolstra might take on your team. Uh, I think everybody always acknowledged that Culp was a fantastic trainer there. So um, sad passing for him and, and uh, you know, condolences to his family. Uh, Udonis Haslam appearing on Colin Coward's show. Uh, a fortunate choice there because Coward, uh, well, I mean, look, he knows his stuff. I guess he's a personality, and maybe he's too all aware of the fact that he has to kind of just poke the bear as much as possible. But uh, a UD saying that Dwayne Wade and LeBron James used to get into it, get at it, uh, you know, go at each other over the first couple months, month and a half of, of when the, the, the Heatles first formed in 2010. That was somewhat interesting there. I don't know how much you could read into that because obviously they were, they were competitive players as good as they were, you know, as friendly as they were off the court. There's a, a need for Dwayne to kind of show LeBron how things are done here. LeBron, as good as he was, probably wanted to put Dwayne through his paces as well and to establish himself as the clearly best player on this team. So interesting that UD would go on record there because I don't think we've ever heard something so specifically said about the early uh, time of the Big Three era there. Because especially if that had been publicized, could you imagine if, if in 2010 we start to find out that there's obvious friction or there's reported friction from the, the locker room there between LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, especially when already the conversation was like, there's only one ball. How are you going to share this with that big three? And you start to hear talk about, you know, Dwayne and LeBron attacking each other, that UD is going at Chris Bosh, trying to put him through the paces. Oh, it would have been a, it would have been hell. It would have been impossible to, to kind of just – sort through all the noise there. So I'm glad that UD is reporting about this or talking about this 11 years after the fact because it would have been very, very difficult to continue to go through that season. Uh, with all the noise that was already happening anyway, that would have just made things so much progressively worse. But just a reminder that you can always reach me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskHelloHeat. Be sure to please subscribe to the show and leave a review. Special thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's episode and thanks to all of you this is David Ramil signing off for now.